You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's unending assistance in Ramah Israel 5769 2009. This week's Parsha is Parsha Shmini. As a word of introduction before we begin the Dvar Torah, I'd like to just say a small disclaimer. And that is the discussion that we're about to have. We're going to speak about the idea of kashrus, of the different signs that we have for kosher animals, the animals that we're permitted to eat. And we cannot understand the depths of this because only Hashem, only God Himself can understand why He gave us this mitzvah, what the purpose of it is, what it's supposed to teach us. Only Hashem Himself knows. And we have to be careful also because when we begin to talk about it, so we shouldn't think that any reason that we're going to give or any understanding that we're going to have is going to be the only understanding. Because unfortunately, people have made mistakes about this area specifically. For instance, when it comes to certain non-kosher animals, people think, oh, it had to do with the fact that it was unclean, and now it's clean. And all these kinds of different mistakes that a person can make, we need to know that what we're going to understand, Amir Sashem, with God's help, is not the full depth, of course, of the concept, but it's rather a way of understanding, a way of looking at a mitzvah, trying to understand what we can, trying to learn the lesson, some lesson that we can possibly take out of it. Now there's a few questions that we can ask on this parsha, on this whole idea of kashrus, of the kosher laws. But the first question that I that strikes me, that I'd like to ask, is as we read the the first verse that talks about this. So you have chapter 11, verse 1. It says, And God spoke to Moshe and Aaron, and He said to them, Speak to the Jewish people, the children of Israel. Say as follows, This is the animal that you can eat from, etc. And the, the Torah begins to speak about all the different requirements in order for something to be permitted to be eaten by a Jewish person. So it has to have certain requirements. So what's interesting here to note is that God speaks not just to Moshe, but He also speaks to Aaron. And this, this I want to understand, why is it that Hashem, when He's giving over this mitzvah, of all the mitzvahs, usually Hashem says to Aaron something, it has to do with kahuna, it has to do with the priesthood, it has to do with the mitzvahs that have to do with the priests in the temple. Why is it over here that this mitzvah is specifically given to Moshe and to Aaron? What, what does that teach us? Another point that we see in the parsha that needs explanation, and again, as we said, we can't understand it to its full depth, but at least we can try to start to have an understanding of it, perhaps, to, to see what the lesson is for us. The Torah says that there are two different requirements in order for an animal to be kosher. The first requirement is that it has to have split hooves. The other requirement is that the animal also has to chew its cud, which means that you have a cow or a deer, so when they eat their food, so it goes into four different stomachs, and as it goes between the stomachs, before it goes to the next stomach, so it actually comes back into the animal's mouth, the animal chews it again, and then it goes, it proceeds to the next stomach. Thus, before the animal actually imbibes the food, and before it becomes a part of the animal, so it's gone through this whole system. So now, really the question is simply, what is this coming to teach us? What is the lesson here? Why does the Torah have these requirements in order for us to be able to eat this type of animal? Another point that bears mentioning that needs explanation is that we find that the Torah, so it lists off four different animals, starting with the camel, with the gamal, and then going through something called the shafan, and our nevet, and then f- finishing off with the chazir, with the pig. These four different animals, they have one sign. They have one of these two. Either they chew their cud, or they have split hooves. But all these four animals do not have both signs. So very interestingly, the Rabbeinu Bachai, one of the commentaries on the Chumash, he points out that these four different animals actually represent four different gullios, four different exiles that the Jewish people underwent. The first one is the Gamal, the camel. That corresponds to the exile of the Jewish people in Babel, in Babylonia. 
The second animal is the Shafan. That one co- corresponds to the Greek exile, when the Jews were beneath the dominion of the Greeks. Then we have the Arnevet. The Arnevet corresponds to the exile of the Medes, Modai. That was when the Jews were during the days of Purim. And then the fourth one is the Chazir. The Chazir is the pig. And that corresponds to the fourth exile, this exile that we're in now, which is the Golis Edom, when we're under the dominion of Western civilization, when the Jewish people are beholden to Western culture. Now what's interesting here is that the first three animals of the Torah lists that correspond to the first three exiles, so each of those animals, they only chew their cud, but they do not have split hooves. Whereas the Chazir, the pig, which represents the exile that we currently find ourselves within, so that animal, it only has split hooves, but it doesn't chew its cud. We need to understand the significance of that. Another very interesting point over here is that our sages tell us that the reason that a Chazir, a pig, is called a Chazir, the word Chazir means to, to return, La Chazor means to return, to go back. What's the understanding? Why is it called a Chazir? So our sages tell us that the reason is because when Mashiach comes, when Messiah comes in the future, so the Chazir, the pig, is going to become a kosher animal. It's going to return, you have to know what it means, it's going to return, it's implying that originally it was, but that needs explanation. But in any event, it's going to return to the status of being a kosher animal. Now Archaim explains over here on the verses that it doesn't mean that all of a sudden the laws of the Torah are going to change, heaven forbid, the laws of the Torah never change. Rather what it means is that in the future, so the Chazir, even though now it only has split hooves and it does not chew its cud, in the future it will also chew its cud and thus it will have both signs of a kosher animal and therefore it will be permitted to be eaten. Very interestingly, the Rabbeinu Bachai says that in the parallel as well, the fourth exile that we find ourselves in today, the Western culture. So we're as, until now, it's been treif. It's been non-kosher. The Western civilization, the Western culture, it's something that's, that it makes itself look very shiny. Look, it says, look at my fingers. Look at my, I'm split, I have split hooves. Our sages say this, that look at my beautiful split hooves. I'm a kosher animal. That's what the Western civilization tries to convince us. But in truth, it's not true. It's missing everything inside. It's missing all the insides. So we're as, until this point in history, which is going to be Mashiach, when the Messiah comes, until that point in history, so Western civilization is going to be non-kosher. However, what's going to happen in the future is that whereas throughout this time, so the Western culture would traumatize and oppress the Jewish people and would call to question all of the things, all of the tenets that we know to be true, all of reality, but in the future, so the Western culture, this nation of Edom, the people who come from Esau, so they're going to turn around and they're going to support the Jewish people. They're going to help us. They're going to turn into a kosher animal, so to speak. Just like the chazir, just like the pig. Now, again, we need to understand what are these different things that are represented by the split hooves that the chazir, the pig, has one of them and the exile of Edom has one of them and the other animals, the camel, the gamal, the, sh- the shafan, the arnevet, these, they only have the inside, they only have the malagira, that they have the ability to chew their cud. What's the understanding of this? How do we understand it? What can we take home for us? That's a lesson that we can incorporate into our lives. So I was thinking about this idea, trying to... Uh, understand what's going on here. One of the first things that we need to understand, we need to notice, is that when we talk about these two different things, we have the animal that's chewing its cud, and we also have the animal's feet have to be in a certain formation. So what's interesting, the parallels in a human being, so the, the mouth eating, is a place where we find that we have an interaction with our outside world, and we're incorporating the outside world into ourselves. We're actually bringing it inside of ourselves. That's, that's one interaction. And the other interaction is through our hands 
and through our feet, through our hands and our feet, we actually are able to affect the outside world. We incorporate ourselves into the outside world. It's the opposite effect. Now, when we look carefully at the way that these animals interact, so to speak, with their surroundings, the way they imbibe the food, the way they interact, and they're bringing the outside world inside of themselves. And when they interact, when we look at their feet and their hands, so to speak, when we look at them the way they are walking and they're interacting with the outside world, I think that there's a very deep and important message in each of these different concepts that Hashem specifically wants us to eat this type of animal. Let's focus first on the way that the animal brings the outside world into itself, so to speak. The way that it eats. So what happens? It's malagera. Malagera means it brings up the food that's been processed by the first stomach back into its mouth and it chews it. And then it brings it back up again after it goes into the second stomach and it chews it again. Each and every time, the animal doesn't just allow it to go through its system, take out whatever it can, but rather processes the food as much as possible in order to be able to get the maximum benefit from whatever nutrition nutrition is available to it. Similarly, I believe the message could be for us that when we are bringing in from the outside world into our lives, when we are bringing information, let's say, in, we have to make sure that we ask questions. We evaluate, does this thing, is this thing really true? Does this thing really apply to me? Every single thing in the Torah we find that it's essential that we ask questions. That's what we just learned on Pesach. It's all about all the questions that our children are supposed to ask us. We're not supposed to take anything blindly, take anything on faith. There's no such thing in Judaism. We don't believe in just taking things blindly. Everything we have to understand What's this? What's going on here? Why is this night different from all the nights? Why are we doing this thing? Why are we doing that thing? Is it really true what you're telling me? Did, did we really come out of Egypt? We evaluate everything logically, rigorously. We need to understand this. We need to know that it's true. We're not going to accept any information that's coming into our minds until we have evaluated it rigorously. And Hashem wants us to do that. Hashem wants us to try our best to understand things to the best of our ability. And that's because if there's true intellectual honesty and a true searching, looking for the real truth, so we will find the real truth. We will find what God really wants. And even though there are a plethora of different ways of going about coming close to God, there's only one true path that's true for all humanity. And in order to find that path, we have to be brutally honest with ourselves. We have to be brutally honest with what God really wants from us. Now let's turn for a moment to the split hopes, trying to understand what is the message of the fact that we need to eat an animal that only has split hooves? So at first glance, it's somewhat difficult to understand why this is significant, what's the importance of this? But if we look a little deeper, try to understand what's going on here, there's an incredibly deep and interesting idea, I think, that we see here. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you something that I found on Wikipedia, because I'm trying to understand, trying to figure out what is the significance of this. So I'd like to read to you what it says here. Cloven hoof. You can see this for yourselves in Wikipedia. A cloven hoof is a hoof split into two toes. This is found on members within the mammalian order Artiodactyla. Excuse me if I didn't say it right. Examples of mammals that possess this type of hoof are pigs, deer, and sheep. The two digits of cloven hoofed animals are homologous to the third and fourth fingers of the hand. That's the point that I want to stop at. If you take a look on that page in Wikipedia, so you'll see a picture of a cloven hoof of a deer. And it's very interesting, as I'm looking at the picture, I'm thinking, wow, there's something amazing here. Because if you take your, your third and fourth finger and you separate it from each other, 
and then you put your, your pinky finger and your uh, pointer finger next to those two fingers, so you end up in a position that's very similar to the position that the Kohanim, the priests, when they get up to bless the Jewish people, so they raise their hands up and they place their fingers in that position. And that's how they bring down the blessing upon the Jewish people, on an amazing thing. Because what does this teach us? What does this represent? You take your hands and you put it into this position. This is the position of giving a blessing. What's a blessing? When I give you a blessing, what am I doing? I'm acting as a conduit. I'm acting as a way, a vehicle for God's blessings, for God's light to come down into the world, and I'm placing it upon you, I'm bringing it down upon you. To me, this is the ultimate act of interaction with the outside world in a way that's completely not self-subservient. I have nothing to gain when I give you this blessing. In fact, when I give you this blessing, you can't even look at me. If I'm a coin and I'm up there at the Duchen, you can't even look. When you give your kid a blessing, you put your hands on top of his head, he can't even see you. The blessing that's coming through me to you is something that's completely nothing to do with me. It's coming completely from Hashem. It's coming completely from God. Now what comes out based on these two explanations of these two different aspects of kosher food, if this is true, so it would give us a very beautiful insight into why the Torah, the first question that we ask, why does the Torah begin this parsha speaking to Moshe and to Aaron? So each one of these two people represented these two aspects, each one individually, to the ultimate degree. What was the first aspect we said? That a person will take in, he will imbibe information, but he will do it in an ultimately rigorous way, an absolutely intellectual way, but really striving for the truth, totally annulling his own understanding per se, in order to get at what God really wants. Who better exemplified that than Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses himself? He was up there 40 days and 40 nights, he didn't sleep, he didn't eat, he didn't, he didn't have anything of his own. He completely nullified his own ego in front of the truth, in front of what God told him. And then we had Aaron. Aaron was the person, he was the priest, giving over the blessings to the Jewish people, interacting with the outside world, only focused on others. He was the Oiv Shalom, Rodi Shalom, running after peace, trying to find peace between people. He was the one who was involved at every level in bringing down God's light to people. Now coming back to the chazir, to the pig, to the exile, to the western culture that's represented by the pig. So the pig and the western culture, they stick out their split hooves. They say, look at me. I'm, I'm bringing out goodness to the world. I'm involved in creating all kinds of good things. And they really are sincere perhaps. They really want to bring goodness to mankind. All these wonderful medicines that can help cure people. And all this wonderful wealth that can help people to be able to do what they really want to do. But the problem is that what's missing What's missing is the inside. What's missing is that when it comes to really trying to get to the truth, they never invested the time. And what's the reason why they're creating these medications to make a buck? What's the reason why they're trying to bring wealth? Unfortunately, it's not in order that we have the wherewithal to be able to spend our time devoting ourselves to spirituality because they're missing that inside aspect. They're missing that deep commitment to find out what's really going on in the world, to look past the surface, to look past the things on the outside and to see what's really happening beneath the surface, to find out what the whole world is really about and what God really wants from us. And that's something that will happen, God willing, in the future. 
the Western culture will turn around, will realize the truth, and it will dedicate itself to supporting the Jewish people, to help us learn, to be able to come close to God. Now will be the purpose of the entire world, will be fulfilled, everyone will be completely involved in that. I want to bless you and me and all of us, that we should be able to internalize these lessons, be able to chew them over, so to speak, to be able to really get what's, what's going on here, to be able to get what God has in store for us, what He really wants from us to be able to process everything that's going on on the outside, to be able to internalize the outside, bring it inside of ourselves in the right way, and to be able to also interact with the world outside of us, to be able to bring down the light, to bring down the blessings upon the entire world. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos.